everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Welcome along to LOI Central. We're with Future Ticketing and we'll be giving away a couple of beers later on uh, thanks to Porter House. So much of a reaction or not to our uh, mystery guest in week one. This week's one, I guarantee you, is a little bit easier just to keep Dan quiet from moaning about how hard it was last week. But there were a few people who got it right and we're going to have... Uh, literally a few people, Johnny. A few people. Five, five, five maybe. Was it five? I thought it was, thought it was three. We have we, to do we have a draw. To do, we're doing a live draw on the show. So, uh, like, you know what I mean? Our, like, um, our figures are all over the place. We're going to have to get Conan Byrne in to do it or something. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? But like, you know, it's uh, we're not going to have that satisfying sound of like a load of balls sort of rolling around yeah. the drum because it's only like, you know, a handful of entries. Derek, our producer, is the kind of like, he's the... Uh, I guess he's going to observe the draw. He's like the guy sure this Stokes Kennedy Crowley or whatever, yeah. you know, whoever it is. <laughs> the guy whose whose entire job was just from to Higgins Clancy O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> Higgins Clancy O'Donnell. All of uh, whom I think would have been happy enough in some respects with uh, week one of uh, the uh, first uh, the return of the LOI. This week's show we've Shane Robinson from Shamrock Rovers and Liam Carney on. Um, they're both academy heads of their respective Cork clubs. City. Liam at Cork City. And um, Cork City is actually where we're going to start. It's not Morag time. Morag from home and away, you might remember. It's mailbag time. Dan, this is a, new, a new section of the show. But we're not going to start. Well, that's two different things, Johnny. What? Which, which are we starting with? Cork City or the mailbag? Well, it's kind of both because there's a lot of Cork City reactions. No, there's not. We didn't get any messages about that. No? No, no. Nothing. This is a separate. Okay, know. let's start with Cork City then, Dan. Your, your big expose. <laughs> See, because the mailbag section, I mean, I feel like we should have production meetings before we go on air, you know. But let, let's have what it What do we do today? Let's have it now. And um, we can't even talk about what's happened with the mystery voice, that the whole plan was to have a, the mystery voice doing a, a line from a different song, but you've got them to do the ah, same it's very, line. It's very funny. Well, though. it's not. I mean, it's I think a, week a, 37 of Tell Me What You Want, What You Really Want is just going to get a bit repetitive. Tell Me What You Want, a new song. Yeah. Um, okay, let, let's start with uh, the Cork City story. You uh, did a lot of um, kind of background into what went on at Cork City. You spoke to various characters. I'm sure Liam will have some views on it when he comes in. Or maybe he won't. Or maybe he won't. Well, he definitely has some views on it, but he's obviously working for the club now. Cork City's been through the mill. Why are they playing Galway Night in the first division game on Friday? Well, you had to buy the end on Monday to find out. More well, or less. Well, yeah. I mean, the, they answered everything. <laughs> <laughs> the fixtures is the reason they're playing Galway on Friday. But like, yeah, the whole point was... Why are Cork City in the first division? I think this has slipped under the radar a bit as the significance of a story. I think it just got lost in the pandemic. Because sort of making the point that... What, your piece on Monday? No, I mean, no, no. I mean the Cork City thing. The piece on Monday certainly didn't slip under the radar. But uh, in Cork anyway, like the... uh, Like when you think about it, the Dalton and Cork went head to head for like five years, basically. You know, Mm. four cup finals anyway. Um... And we've done loads on probably Dundalk's meltdown, yet they are still in the Premier Division, like under sort of, they haven't gone away, you know, you know. if you know what I mean, <laughs> like they've, they've and, and they've sort of bounced back out of it, probably in an okay enough, diminished, but but in an okay enough spot, whereas Cork, who were going head to head with that great Dundalk team, are like starting into their second season in the first division, and it's Cork, like, you know, it's, it's a club that probably, you know, has the most biggest potential in terms of say fan base you know and, and they can sort of click on a given day people from Shamrock Rovers could debate that but either way they're in the they're in the top two for that in terms of like you know prospective numbers and yet there they are in the in the first division and it's going to be difficult we, for them to get out as well yeah um, and we probably would have spoken at various times about uh, it's a great you know the fan owned club risen from the ashes and like it was a great story in 2017 when they done the double they won 21 out of 22 games mm. Um, Who was the team they didn't beat? 
Oh god, it's a good question. Galway United. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, there you go. One all draw in Thailand. Okay. Well, there you go. There's, there's Galway United have had a bit of a demise since then. Yeah, as well. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But like, how have they ended up where they are now? So, um, I sort of knew there was a bit of ill feeling around this, um, because the the nature of um Forest, the the fan owned group that runs the club, I mean, it's very democratic. In the sense that you know they they their board are restricted to X amount of terms and there's there's uh, elections at a particular time and what we had was this very unusual situation, um, but not unusual in the context of how Forest operates, um, that they effectively had a, an old board go out uh, you know, at the end of sorry at the beginning of 2019 to be replaced by a primarily new board. There was two people who remained, one of whom left shortly after, and one of them was Declan Carey. He was sort of promoted. The chairman, so it was like he was a sort of a, in a cabinet terms, he was a minor minister who, after a reshuffle, sort of became the, the Taoiseach or whatever, you know. Yeah. And um, it should be noted that this was um, kind of referenced um, at length by John Coffin in Rebel Heart. So this was a lot of people's frame of reference as to what happened there. Is, which, is, book. which is his autobiography, but mm. I'll just continue. Um, the, the point being that um, there was a budget set by the old board and a way of doing business, I suppose, which had led to, you know, th- the budget and the squad existing and a new board come in who straight away come in and said, oh, not sure about some of these projections, the crowd forecasts. And you know, primarily the problem was, um, you know, they, they'd effectively put any money that they'd come, that had come in, um, you know, from say Champions League money and stuff was going towards costs, towards first team costs and playing costs. And from their perspective, you know, there was a sense of trying to keep up with Dundalk, who obviously would have had much, you know, would have had bigger spending mm. power, particularly, Sean McGuire had left. particularly when Peak Six um, would have come on board. Mm. So, um, but John Caulfield from the start would have had concerns about this again in Veritacom's new board. The, 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 the Rebel Heart makes it clear that the old board were fellas you could do business with, you know, fellas in their 40s and 50s, and the, the new board were these, were these young lads. Um, and sure enough, in a in, in short period of time, uh, after friction between the, the sort of Caulfield and the new board and his belief that they were inexperienced and they, you know, they're heading, you know, they, they didn't know what they were doing and he was there to help them, um, he, was, he was shown the door. Now, clearly, subsequently, don't, you know, managerial decisions maybe couldn't have, you know, weren't exactly uh, top notch in terms of how it was handled by the mm-hmm. new board. But the more pressing point was, and the reference point where the piece started was, um, how did Cork end up three days out from the 2020 season? Um, practically, you know, in a crisis meeting in the FAI looking to get licence. And there was legacy issues that crept up Debts hadn't just popped up in the last mm. in, in the last year, or financial issues hadn't just popped up in the last year. That was a year on from the change of the board. They needed six hundred and fifty grand from um, from Trevor Hemmings, um, which was sort of uh, notionally, you know, half a million towards the, the buying out the clauses for for Alan Brown and Shawnee McGuire, and one hundred and fifty grand and an option to own the club, and they were bailed out. And now Cork remain in that limbo of having agreed to, to hand over the club to, to Grovemore, which is Trevor Hemmings company. Trevor Hemmings has since passed away. Um, and that sort of uh, call option exists. But the, the big aspect of this piece on Monday was that I did manage to get two of the former board members, Pat Lines and Wyan Stansfeld, um, Stansfield, Stansfeld, um, to speak um, where they hadn't spoken before. And it was a bit of a surprise that they did. And they 
did not back down and their view that they did nothing wrong. I guess the big question is, what has the reaction been? Because a lot of these people kind of wouldn't, would probably have felt that they, their voice hadn't necessarily been heard in the whole um, debate as to what happened here. There's a lot of blame going on in Cork for what's happened. Like, So what's the reaction been to you? Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's a lot of blame. And I would be conscious that like the, the two former board members who spoke are probably online are sort of getting hammered a bit mm. you know um and i'm not coming at this from any angle i was coming to a bit blind really and um I, I don't know what it was that prompted them to suddenly decide to speak i mean i'd sort of messaged them to ask them um to comment because i had comment from the current board so the right thing to do you know not just like you know I, to be honest i basically wasn't expecting them to come back and they came back reasonably late in the day and I sort of had a piece done without their comment, um, you know, which would have been unsatisfactory, but I was trying to speak to other people to try and get a perspective on how they might be thinking, but then they decided to come back and speak. Had they really, really spoken at all about this? They hadn't spoken about it at all anywhere yeah, as far as... In the, all the time and, since. And where a lot of the grief that they're getting is that at like forest meetings and stuff, they said nothing. You know, they were there. Now they would take the view that they were instructed maybe not to, or that the there was a feeling that they shouldn't. But mm. what I think is the striking thing is that we talk a lot about sort of fan owned, the fan owned model and private investment and all the structures that, like the forest one, was a poster boy, and yet it still ended up fractured in a way that like you know traditional clubs with traditional models sometimes flounder you know where there seemed to be a loss of balance around um how decisions were reached you know like how did how did you end up in a situation where like john caulfield in his book this is the point that really wound people up that he was sort of talking about he he recounted a discussion the pat line said to him about how the board mm. had reached the decision on a budget and Caulfield was privy to that. And clearly, you know, he describes like the former chairman of Patline as his ally. You know, very strong. One of your words, you know, he's my ally. You know, he's, he's an ally. And yet, so you have a situation where like it's almost like there was just these factions existing and a relationship existing where clearly the man, like a manager is a very important person in a club and is, you know, is a big, big influence. And John Caulfield, in fairness, like you, like where Cork were in 2013, 2014, um, you know, he lifted them and he elevated them. So his record there, like that, you know, it'll be remembered in 20, 30 years time. But clearly he, when the, the things weren't going as well, um, and he was naturally pushing for what he could get, as all managers do. There didn't seem to be that real resistance there. And then a new mm. board commitment will hang on. Because the interesting about the chat and like the the Pat Lyons view on it was very strong, like very like unflinching that you know, it was put to me what it showed is Cork just couldn't sustain one bad year. That was it. One bad year on their model they were screwed because of the money put in. And he said, well, we had bad years early in the decade, like, and we were fine, but they weren't, the wage bill wasn't as big as it was is it, then. Is it know? good for other clubs to say, like, well, we can look at Cork in terms of fan-owned model and this is what can go wrong. This is a good example of, like, we can learn from this as other clubs because it went spectacularly wrong. I think so. I think, yeah. well, see, there's, there's our, our debates around continuity of decision makers as well. And, mm. you know, I've heard the point, someone said to me, I was talking to this, as far as almost too democratic, you know, that mm. but they, we have a complete change of philosophy from one board to the next like and that shouldn't be the case and people but there's other stuff around like you know unifying figures um you know pat shine was lost so i think it was very sort of yeah viewed in very positive terms um and then there was commercial and other stuff that happened with changeovers there and things didn't go right but it's just a complete 
complete mess, really. Um, and I don't know where it, where it goes from here. Like the fact is, Cork still have this sort of they're in this limbo over this this the, the ground. Whether the Hemmings people are going to mm. come and yeah. take it or or not. Mm. Um, so it's a strange one. Listen, we'll, we'll move on from it, but I think um, it's probably one that it's a, there's sort of lessons to be taken from it for people. But um, there's clearly. Uh, ill feeling that lingers and there's no sense that uh there's, there's, it feels like you know there's no sense of ownership over how this how this happened and john crawford going back there on friday it'd be very interesting to see how he sort of uh approaches the whole uh, I, I, I think as well just from from looking at sam like oh united it's it's the, the lads that are involved it's very very hard to be involved in the run of league Ireland club and, and a lot of people once they do it they're like I'm, I don't want to do that again there's so much hassle and like I think a lot of people from the outside in um, can criticise the board or criticise decisions that are made but day to day it's a pain in the hole for a lot of people it really is like it's hard and that's notwithstanding any financial problems that might accrue uh, as well yeah and it's one thing I would say as well like I would have been speaking there's obviously a lot of depth of feeling there and, mm. and real like you know the idea just you can sense it like you were talking to them you know from both sides yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a feeling of it um, but I would say that like even people on the board at the moment they they weren't suggesting that anything that happened before them was anything other than just like bad decisions. Mm. Like I don't think anyone said p- people wanted, you know, there was some sort of intent where there was like, uh, oh, sure, it's, it's reckless, we'll have a go at it. That was, that was not the, I think it was just mistakes were made, like mm. innocent mistakes were made, but they were costly mistakes, you know, and, and there's still maybe a sense of denial around aspects of them. But I mean, let's move on to the mailbag because there was so much happening last weekend. You look for a reaction. We threw a comment on Sunday. Actually. A lot uh, of comments. I mean, where do we even start with this? Well, when the lads come in as well, we'll talk about week one, which I think was, well, to, was yeah. brilliant. Like well, we'll talk, was, I think with, with Liam... only three Premier games. With Liam, we can talk about Cork and, and you know, mm. certainly the Cork situation and, and the buzz football-wise after the 6-0. We've got a lot of different reactions to the Shells game. I see Wheelo Drog. Shells will struggle. As a Drog supporter, I'd back us to beat them next week. Pats are going to be right up there. Uh, overall as a League of Ireland supporter I've never been so optimistic about the league attendances buzz and quality on pitch yeah um, I thought shells were okay yeah. to be honest I, I see Carl Shepherd was on the same kind of um, MO here as Wheelow Drog was like well, I'm not sure about shells very very open you know I'd criticise them I think shells were good actually they were bad like, I fancy them to beat Drada they, they got done out of, out of possession a bit mm. but honestly I think for a new team nine new players um and I just thought, I haven't seen them the week before in the friendly as well. There's like an identity about how they're trying to play. And honestly, yeah, there's a concern over where goals will come from. Um, but I don't know, I don't get that, actually. Well, like, I think... Like Dan Carr is going to score goals. Yeah, yeah, but... but Moylan will score goals. Yeah, but Dan Jordan Car- McAniff will score but Dan, goals. But Dan Carr, the nature of his role as a solo striker, he's not... Mm. It's not as if... Like, look at Rovers. Like, it's a similar system to Rovers. And they don't have, say, a prolific striker. Sometimes the striker is outside the box and he's wait, he's, he's bringing other players into the game. And that's where you need mm. something to come from. Um, but no, I, I'd, Hawkins did well I'd at be times. positive. I think, well, apart from, yeah. Yeah, we gave the ball away for a score. We did well at times. I think though. when McInef is fit, it'll be McInef mm. and Moylan behind Carr. And that'd be very interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, Al Ty had something similar. He was more positive. Um, when they do, they'll be up there with the best of them. I'm not sure. Somewhere, the truth lies somewhere in between. You know, a few of these like Martin Duffer learning the hard way that reputation doesn't take you very far in this league. Himself and Damien Delaney might speak well as pundits, but the rest of the league are no more. I think there's never a suggestion that Damien Duff thought this was going to be no, easy at no. all. And he's coming in against, um, you know, 
managers who've gotten a bit of experience now in the League of Ireland, which I think is important, like Tim Clancy, who's in, what, his fourth season now in the League yeah. of Ireland. Um, Brian, well, I'm sure that, I was sure that Derry would beat Dundalk easily. I reckon Shells will improve. I often wonder how Tommy Barrett would do with the bigger club. No disrespect to Treaty, of course. That's actually a very good point, because Tommy Barrett's, um, you know, job last season at Treaty, I think, maybe was slightly under the radar. Unbelievable job. They have very little money there, and they battered Wexford. Yeah, that's, that's really Another impressive. Another thing we can talk about later on. Yeah, um, and on the Jerry Dundalk point, yeah. So I suppose the one, it sounded like that was a very entertaining game. Um, the one thing about Derry, I think they had a little bit of an interrupted prep. The, the Duffy wasn't available. Matty Smith wasn't available. So they ended up playing with a back three. Well, I don't think that would have been the plan. So that's one thing I would say. But Dundalk having some underwhelming pre-season performances when it came down to it, mm. um, they, they performed. And it sounds like... Um, Andy Burton, who's been everywhere, Andy Burton, um, ex-Guy reporter, ex-Dundalk, um, well, I don't know what his official title was, advisor or, or various roles, uh, pointing out just more than one Stephen Bradley to us and does yeah. seem with the other Stephen Bradley. It, the Hibs loan, um, he got a lovely goal, albeit not, not the best defending. Um, and I think Derry will definitely be aspects of the defending and maybe Brian Maher's debut that, you know, they can improve on. Dundalk's defending, not great at times either, but really entertaining game. Looked like a brilliant atmosphere, Dan, actually. Watch it back, it was really loud yeah, and memorial. And uh, massive away support. And the thing about Dundalk last year was the home record, actually, when crowds come back, was very good. Mm. And you forget that... It's, the, it's an intimidating those place those can be a factor definitely um, um, we got one here as well from Dr. Frank as a league with short term contracts allure of foreign leagues the most exciting aspect is checking out who's filling the boots of the exiled as far as I can see there's a lot of very talented young players stepping up just St. Pat's alone Dara Burns in Avanqua on Friday off the charts yeah, off the times, I well was obviously on the way out as we know but like, it's going to be a big year for the reputation of, of Dara Burns I think and he's going to really press on Um and yeah, there's probably other players that will come to the fore from around the league as well too, you know. So um, I think that's a very valid point. The turnover of players is quite substantial. And but one thing we should say with the last weekend is that Sligo Rovers obviously didn't play, Bowes didn't play, Harps didn't play, Drada didn't play. So like we, we have a situation where um, there's there's there's, a, there's actually fans out there who'll be frustrated that they didn't see their club we're talking about the weekend we were lucky to be at the game other people didn't but I think even learning about some of the other teams and new personalities that might come to the fore we'll, we'll have more of that in the week to come we have so much to go through um, like um, we have so much to go through from sort of elsewhere Julian Canny had a couple of comments about Treaty being Galway United reserves and is that, is that banter uh, in your world yeah they've, yeah. they've Connor Wynn is there but obviously um, Connor Melody and uh, in the current both scored actually I think um, so two ex yeah. two Galway lads yeah we threw, we threw that on Instagram as well too for some comments I should say to people LOI Central Pod on Instagram um, so we have we have a lot of feedback from there as well Shane Moran wants to know Johnny's thoughts on the Russian invasion yeah, it's uh, quite worrying. It's good to see politicians chiming in, though, that the game shouldn't, uh, the the Europe the Europa League final shouldn't be in uh, Moscow as well. So um, no, it's the Champions League final, the Champions in League final, rather in Saint Petersburg. Yeah, yeah, that's in Russia. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is all Russian inv- tiny place, really, isn't it? Russian yeah. <laughs> Russian invasion is worrying, Dan. Yeah, it is. Uh, Have we ever had a Russian player in the league? I was thinking about this last night because Andrei Peraplytkin played for Vladimir Antanimov, one cap for Galway United. I was at the game, one cap. Yeah, I, he, played for Connacht. Was it? 
one, one cap. Yeah. One, one game. I know you've been going to rugby lately, but so, that's disturbing. Uh, he played in Buckley Park. I remember it was the really? day. Yeah, it was the day. I was like, I, I don't know, years ago now, when I was I, I was at the game behind the goal in Buckley Park, and I think it was the day of the Grand National. But the story goes that, like, Vlad, he'd won one game for Goal United, but he used to turn up um, long after this in Terryland, apparently, looking to get in for free. And they'd be like, well, what are you doing? He'd be like, I've Vlad, I play. <laughs> so that was the story. Anyway. Is that, does that really happen, or is that? Yeah, yeah. Vladimir and Tanamov, sort of yeah. I didn't think he was that bad. He was like a. Yeah. Kind of a uh, left back, kind of decent on the ball. Hmm. Looked like he could have been a cult hero. Vlad the Impaler, we used to call him. Oh, there you for go. the 90 minutes that he played. Even yeah. I'm not even sure he lasts the 90 minutes. <laughs> I'm glad that player. Um, <laughs> it's just like it just sounds like the most stereotypical impression. And he was called Vlad. I'm being, I'm, yeah, yeah. This, is this all a ruse? It's probably, probably racist, but I don't yeah, know. I mean, everything yeah. is racist I'm, nowadays. I, I, I feel like we should Is Vlad listening in? I feel like possibly you might be cancelled. Um, <laughs> uh, Owen Walshy will Duff last the season we've got a lot of this I mean I think Duff will last the season I really do he, he could last a long time I honestly I just think this is this is like this is well this is the most obvious thing to say now and I know maybe it's an element of wind up going with it but he, he will very much last the season Quaylon Amir had a point about Talca Park situation and Shell's new money it's not unrelated mm. it was great to see Talca heaving we had the statement on the day of the game mm. that they're now looking to buy the site and then seven figure investment from a new company and the people there are ambitious mm. um, you know they have big plans I know we've been here before um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation. The look on there. your face when I told you, I think they might take cards as the the tea. Uh, place. These are the people you refer to as tea the, ladies. The tea ladies, yeah. Well, they're, they're not, they're not they tea ladies. ladies. They were selling no, tea. No, they're staff working in a shop. Oh, Jesus Christ! Tea, tea ladies. If, if, if okay, I'm going to go back to talking for a game, and I'll ask two of them. Did you mind me calling you tea ladies? Sorry, and if you did, I'll I'll change my RT report well, from day one. Well, go, you go to them and it's ask. Woke them. nonsense, like. <laughs> I was called out by I was called out by somebody else who's not going to be named because I mentioned that lads were huddling beside their sons keeping them warm for the game and it was put to me what about the one, the, the mothers who were huddling beside the sons well I actually didn't see any when I was looking did around at that any, particular did time did you see any daughters there um, oh I'm, I mean I should have mentioned them like let's mention everyone that was at the game <laughs> instead of the people that I saw when I was making my you know con hoolan type walk around the ground at that time to the tea ladies yeah who take card so sort of more, I, I got you. More, got you're you, more Con Hulhan than Wes Hulhan, anyway. <laughs> Certainly, Wes got a beautiful goal on Saturday he as did. well. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, we, I think we're going to move on with our guests, but I mean that does sum up a lot of our thoughts on the opening weekend, really, doesn't it? I mean, unless anything else you, that's left hanging over from you, to- Tony Mulroney, um, friend of the show, Forrester is a player who would make uh, you should make a point of going to watch. Um, ugh, yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, Jack Byrne was doing his thing out in Tala on Friday as well. Um, Shamrock Rovers UCD and. Um, I mean, again, I saw Shane Keegan refer- reference the strength of their bench, the strongest bench they'd ever seen. They see Chris Shields just replied with like a, an image of a bench, but like, I mean, they basically like Richie Tavill's arms just superimposed onto the edge of it, but maybe you just needed to see it. Let's Strong get the lads bench. in. Let's get our, let's let our guests in and move on with this. That was week one. Yeah, we're joined now by the two lads, Connor, uh, the Connor Maradona, rather Liam Carney and uh, Shane Robinson, uh, the Waterford native. Uh, didn't have nickname, didn't have a nickname for Robo. Shane. Shane the, the Waterford what? The Waterford wizard or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you haven't what? lost your Waterford accent. There's some lie, I yeah. <laughs> More of a warrior type figure, wizard. Yeah, under yeah. Dulo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he Interesting. Was, I actually was looking before I come on. Weirdly, I was trying to find like I found a picture of the two lads playing against each other, but a uh, transfer marked this website. Uh, it's actually extremely detailed and for some reason they gave me a list of Liam Kearney's uh, the opponents you've played the most against right over a period of time I presume if I did the drop down menu I could find yours 
but it says that you played 17 times against Ravel. Does that sound about right? 17 times? Do you think you'd be that regular? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Over, uh, to, over the years, definitely, yeah. Do you want to know how many you won? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like so, games or private battles. Like, <laughs> but it says, it says you won eight out of the 17. That's Six right. wins for Shane's team and then three draws, it says. Um, I'm not sure about this. Like, it says the player you played the most against was Barry Ryan with 19 appearances. We should get him. him on the podcast. Barry, Mal- Barry Malloy, 18. And then it was um, Robbo, the late Mark Farron, uh, Killian Brennan and Eddie McCallion. You played them 17 times apparently. So I don't know, are these like opponents that sort of you see in your dreams or something that you were playing against all the time? Yeah, I suppose I would have always had good duels with Eddie because he would have played right back and I was left yeah. wing. So I'd say the man has nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Not about you, but just nightmares yeah. in general. <laughs> Generally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the crack anyway? Good to have you up. Yeah, listen, thanks yeah. for having me up. Um, obviously, we've the launch of the, the Academy League afterwards as well. So... And you needed a lift, so you're not supposed to say either of them things. It's supposed to be standalone <laughs> cork, like because Dan had his big piece on Monday, which I I gotta ask you, like, what's the reaction being down there? Because um, it was a, it was an article that I think got people talking. Yeah, look, I suppose from my point of view, I've been with the club a long time, and mm. I suppose my focus would be where we're at now and what we need to do to get up this year um, with the first team. So I'm not a big fan of seeing a lot of things written about. The, you know putting your dirty laundry out in the public and that you know i don't see the purpose of it because it's been done it's happened we are where we are now i think we're in a really good place like obviously i'm in charge of the academy but within the first team group as well I, i'm in the the corridors every day and, and there's a really good atmosphere around the club um and i think we're in a really good place now and i, I suppose you know what's gone has gone um where we are we obviously would love to be in the Premier Division. That's where I think we belong, but we have to fight to get back in there now. And I think we have the tools and the manager to help us get there. Well, I, I don't know. Did you mention Colin Healy at all in the piece, actually? So yeah, what, towards okay, the end of the towards, piece. But it was more so, in fairness, it was more so how a club can go from that to this. Like, And, you know, the, the first division is a big scrap now. Waterford and Galway are down there. But, you know, Dan was making the comparison with Dundalk that, like, um, it was just more how did it come to this? Because it's not easy to get out of the first division either. Yeah, no, 100%. And even last year, you could see, you know, every game, like the results have gone either way for any team last year. So I think for us, um, the, the drop was huge. I think from where we were, I don't think anyone expected it. But, you know, you can't just expect to be in that division if you're not doing everything right on the pitch and off the pitch. Mm. And, you know, you would have thought we might have learned a lesson from years previous. But, you know... <laughs> Again, as I said, these are things. This that is the League of Ireland. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair, I would say in defence, I think it was. A, I think still think it was a relevant thing to do. And you know, the premise of it, there was an autobiography released that did give a version of events that that happened, which other people might contest in terms of how that actually came to be. And so, I think it's valid to respond to that. But I, what I would say is, like, having been down there, um, like there was a good energy around even that friendly with shells, and there is a sense that things are hopefully turning you know there seems to be a vibe that things are maybe turning a corner I suppose the one question is the this Grovemore situation which is hanging over the place and I assume people will want some certainty around that situation soon just to know where the club is 100% definitively going because that's the one thing that slightly is hanging in the background no 100% I think it's been frustrating for everyone um but at the same time I think you know, it's been read and, and it's been said that, you know, without Grovemore, we probably wouldn't be still here. Um, mm. So 
there is an appreciation for what they've done for us in our, you know, in our lowest ebb, really. Um, and as you said, then where we are now, we, we're not sure where that is going. Um, but I do know that without them at the moment, even what with with the players the Collins brought in, we are in a strong position this year, a lot stronger than I would say we were last year. Um, so there is a really good feel. I, I when I see players around the dressing rooms and I see them on the training pitch, you get a sense of the players that we have now all you know, are buying into what Colin is doing and, you know, there's a real hunger there and desire and, you know, lads don't leave training till a lot later and when, so when I'm leaving, I see lads still in the gym and stuff like that and it's just small things like that that you kind of pick up on to say, right, you know, we're in a good place now. Yeah, because the one thing I, I should say and I was I was asking people then there and Liam, is, this is, he's living it, like, I was asking why the club had remained effectively full-time and what was put to me was, I think Colin's mindset was that it's almost thinking that mindset that if you do go up, there's not this big upheaval that you try and get, say you got promoted with a part-time squad or players with other commitments. And mm. you, you, you almost have to think in that right mentality as such to, to push on. Can, does that sort of tally with the, the vibe down there that there was no sense of as much as there needed to be cutbacks? I know you weren't there for all of that mm. time, but it was a sense of let's still think in the, in the full-time mentality, even if in the first division. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the mentality is that, you know, we, we obviously want to get back up as quick as possible. But to, to do that, you have to give yourself every opportunity. And I think part-time training and things like that, you know, is difficult. You know, and I think to sustain it then in the Premier Division and to stay up in the Premier Division, you have to have that full-time mentality. And I think as a club, we're so used to being full-time and, and thinking that way that, you know, it would definitely be in a backward step to, to change things and go back to part-time football. So... Um, and again, look, Colin Healy as the manager, he's a completely professional guy as well. So, you know, he demands standards. And I think it's harder to demand that when people have other jobs going on and, and things like that as well. The, um, you know, the Damien Duff thing we spoke about and even Johnny Mack was kind of having... Uh, why, is it, why is everyone on about Damien Duff last week when it's obvious why everyone's on about Damien Duff? Colin Healy is a fascinating fellow as well. I want to get to him later on, but six years this year now that Stephen Bradley's in the Shamrock Rovers job and uh, six years is a long, long time in football management now. It's sadly... Um, and you think when they lost to Dundalk um, 5-2 that time and um, I think it was Brandon Kavanagh's debut actually and um, there were goalkeeping mistakes or whatever and people were calling for his head and look at it now. Yeah, just listening to Liam talk about Cork and obviously the demise of Cork I suppose in recent years and but a lot of clubs have been through the same just listening to Liam speak and like I sat and watched Rovers be relegated uh, in Talca Park Dublin City after leaving to go to Drogheda and you go through all the teams like the Drogheda's, Bowes, Shells, Cork, Rovers, we all had bad days. Listening to to Liam speak, I suppose, about staying full-time and why they're still full-time, look at their average age now, I suppose, when you think back to other clubs that maybe had bad days, they might not have been those 17s, 19-year-olds waiting in the wings. I know Cork had a really strong 19s group, probably probably four years ago a lot of those boys are, are are now probably playing with Colin and stuff so it's uh it, it it's interesting just listening to Liam speak but I, th- I think that maybe that is the difference and a lot of investments gone into the the boys through the 17s 19s that staying full-time is is worthwhile I know when when we folded at Drogheda let's say as such there was nothing underneath and I think mm. I think that that's probably a bigger thing right now that there is a lot more underneath some of these clubs 
at this minute in time, uh, which is the positive and, and, and the slots that can be improved on, obviously. But just that would be the one thing, listening to Lehman, I suppose, when you speak about Stephen, when he got his role uh, as, as, as the manager of Shamrock Rovers, why I speak about that is, I suppose there was there was a, there was a lot of work going into younger players at that minute in time as well, and, and and I suppose Stephen was best placed at that at that minute in time to try implement a plan that uh, was put together by a group of people, uh, which was to try change the mentality of the club. That's why I spoke about being relegated, moving to Tallow was a big thing, qualifying for the Europa League was a huge thing under Michael. But the cycle of League of Ireland and uh, has always been the same. That the, the the champions of the country are probably the most vulnerable mm. because they spend too much but, and there's nothing underneath. And but, but, and this time around, I feel it's a little bit different. Yeah, well, like since Stephen Bradley took over, Sean Groves haven't had a run in the Europa League group stages or anything like that. That we'll say the Dock have had. They haven't had massive riches in Europe. Um, and you have to remember, we forget how much Stephen Bradley was mocked about the project and playing young players. And even Bazuna came on when he was 16, and they were playing young players and all that, like. Look at look at where it is now. Like Shamrock Rovers, I know is a big, big club, but like it, it's almost like this is what we can do if we do things properly here and just take a long term view here. Because you've made sales of of Bazuna's going to get a million and a half or whatever to the club, and it would seem to be the way to go. It is, yeah, one hundred percent is the way to go. And, and look, Stephen was brave enough to take the job at that minute in time uh, as the opportunity came up, and I'm sure he's learned so much along the way um, in the last six years like you said six years is a long time what we've been through as a club there's been ups and downs as well but I mean we're in a really good place now infrastructure wise player wise squad wise um, but a lot of hard work has gone gone into that um, to be at this point like it's not it's not by chance listening to Salim just speak about Cork and young players and they have a massive opportunity now as well because they've been relegated and because that's presented them a different problem uh, they've now a local enough team, young players, uh, getting opportunities to play at a young age, some really, really good players. And, and that will lead to probably Premier Division football sooner or later for them with, with, with a young and hungry group. And you can see that throughout the league, like that there's obviously both have their young players and it, 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 it's changing all the time. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think we had Graham Garton then last year and he spoke about actually that the a lot of the academy work at Rovers that actually the first generation of your players that you had all the way are sort of starting to come through now. Because, I mean, it would have been commented on last year, you know, Shamrock Rovers won the league, but you did have the, actually the oldest squad just by nature of the, the profile of the dressing room that you had. And, that, and people would, like on one hand, talk about the project and on the flip side, they would have said, well, they still signed quite an experienced team. But his point would have been, now they're starting to sort of come through. Are we mm. going to see that, you think, in the next couple of years, a real sort of, um, there's, a, there's, there's another crop coming through here? And you can see them on the fringes now at the moment. Yeah, I think you'll see it with the majority of teams, to be fair, in the League of Ireland, because Lima's best placed as well. Like, we see all the teams. We don't just see our own. So we see the talent that is coming through in the last number of years. Um, and, and look, we, we start at the start, so we have boys at eight years of age that come into the, into the football club even younger. Um, and we do have to wait like you know the, the Gavin story was a great story uh, for us as an academy mm. but there was stuff that happened before that remember you you, you touched on um, the 5-2 loss to, to, to Dundalk we, we actually had another loss up in Dundalk uh, where James Furlong made his debut that's right uh, yeah. and was sold two weeks later um, and it probably goes unnoticed but 
I think if you check the records, there was a couple of signings not long after James left that strengthened their first team. And there's been things that have been done along the way. Um, and people can say, oh, it was luck or it was this or it was that. But I, I don't I don't think it was, to be fair. I think there's been a lot of work gone into it and um, putting the facility in place where we can train uh, as much as we want has, has been massive. We, we, we now have that. Uh, we do attract some of the, the best young players in the country. And... Um, yeah, because they want to play, and I know, I know Dan touches on our average age, but uh, I think the players will come through. Like you know, you you look at the quality that that is in the academy, um, and yeah, it, it it is exciting, and we do need the next bit to make sure that players stay in the country. And I mean, the likes of a Gavin was it right to go at that minute in time? Yeah, it was, but. We'd like to think that in a couple of years' time, it would be right to stay. That's you know, a and, that's and a that's big, stay. big uh, ambition. Like it's almost as if, well, Ireland, you can play here. Yeah, well, I, I think that that's where we have to be. Like you know, um, that some people just laugh at that. That's like, well, we've never been this, and we never will be. Yeah, you know? but uh, we have to aim to be like you know, and that's where the FBI and everybody has to get together. I know there's different arguments about leagues and everything and the politics that go on with it, but at the end of the day, like we all want the same thing, you know, like, and I, th- I think that that's where it has to go. Like I make, I was in Benfica mm, last Monday with a boy born 2007 from our club. Uh, he had a week over there. Um, it was brilliant to watch, but our boys every bit as good as any boy they had, like, you know, mm. and it's what we do next. Like, and it's, it's actually interesting listening to people at Benfica and clubs like this, that their eyes are on our league um, they, they know who's who like you know and, and we have something really good I believe I know you do too Johnny like the way you speak about young players but it's it's actually it's there right in front of us like but with some kind of investment or some kind of plan which is the frustrating thing in our position looking at what we're looking we were down in Cork last week to play Leams Group 2007 that boy actually played and uh, you know you don't know what you're looking at is the, is the thing and what we do for those those players is really really important for the next bit of this because we're speaking about rovers and having a good structure in place right now but other clubs are striving to do do the same you know what i mean and that's going to drive on the product and you know we want to see the kevin zeffies and people like this play in this league like you know that has to be the ambition like and um there is more kevin's effies that's for sure like you know you know you speak about gavin and things like that and i watch kevin every clip that comes out and I watch him on YouTube or on Twitter or whatever it is and it's nice to watch it like but you'd love to be sitting watching him to be honest like you know what I mean in mm. our position you'd I'd love to be sitting in Tallis Stadium with our fans cheering them on going come on Kev let's go like you know but but are we there yet no no we're not but it's it's probably we need to get there like you know when I'm in Benfica last week I'm watching it going you're speaking to their academy director he's going have you got more places we've loads loads like you know I'm sure Liam's the same like you know some smashing players the same age 2007 had some brilliant games in the last two years with them he wasn't even the best player in the final against Galway which the player you, you mentioned Arguably, like oh, United had the best player in the pitch that night. Yeah, possibly <laughs> fourteen as well. Possibly, but that's the yeah. exciting. That's it, we've like, heard like, a lot about yeah. Per Kyle Fitzgerald. He's gonna, yeah. you know, as we've discussed, the restraining order he's gonna have to take out on Johnny last year. <laughs> well, I was, I was Johnny, told about a player from that game that had gone to Benfica. He's like, I didn't hear about Kyle, but it turned out as a Rovers player. There you go. No, yeah. but you only had eyes. I, I watched team, that Johnny. game. There was twelve hundred people at that game, Liam, and it was streamed. And uh, 
like you know we've obviously had problems with underage and it's in its infancy but some of the talent on show that night and the commitment to playing football and these were under 14 players I was blown away by it like but but that would be where we would be like Liam mm. like, like myself and Liam like we're we're rivals let's say but we're, we're partners like we're on the phone non-stop like I love that he's got good players I'm sure he looks and goes great Rovers have good, but we're not competing with each other Galway delighted they have good players like that's great to but, hear but the thing about it is is and frustration for me would be what are we doing for them like you know so I know what Rovers do for them invest in a TY year put them through fifth year put them through sixth year what did what did the FEI actually do when you strip it back would be my my problem mm, with it like what, what is being done yeah look I suppose you just mentioned there about and you mentioned the final from last year's 14s and look that was the kind of a showcase for people maybe who don't watch every week like we'd be at all the games mm. and everything like that so I think it might have been a wake-up call for a lot of people to go, geez, this is a serious standard for that age group, do you know? And that's what's going on, you know? And I've seen, I think it was Tommy Barrett said that in spite of no investment, we still are producing players at all age groups in spite of that. And I think people will say, oh, Brexit's come in and it's great that we get to keep the players. And it is great that we get to keep the players till they're 18 now, other than if they go to Europe, let's say. But... There is a boat there. Yeah, but how long ago was that? How long ago have we known Brexit's coming in? We have them now till we're 18, minimum. And I'm still waiting to hear someone tell me, okay, here's investment and this is how it's going to work and this is a structure. Not just money, but money of this is how we're going to use it mm. so it's not wasted in any way at all. Um, but we're still not after hearing anything. And the government, like this is our moment to actually do something now. We have the players. We know we have them for for this length of time. Like we're talking about real, real talent. We talked about the players that we played the game at the weekend. It was brilliant to watch. You know what I mean? And, and you're looking at it, going, "We have a serious product. We're trying our best to do things right." You know, we're out like we train our teams three, four nights a week now. I'm asking serious commitment from coaches. Like I should be having full time coaches within the academy. I don't know even budget-wise, that I've managed to increase it again this year for, for coaching staff off my own back, to be honest, because I've gone out and found money because I was like, this isn't right. These lads are giving up their weekends with their families, their kids, and, you know, there's work done when they're not on the pitch. It's this huge, huge work, but it needs to be put in, and they need to be rewarded for that. You know, they're, they're qualified coaches. It's not as if it's uh, amateur stuff. It's funny when you said like this, you know, about the volunteers. Remember, you brought up, Dan, that's not a badge of honour that we have all these volunteers. No, no. Some like, people would have said, oh, what's he on about here? Like, No, it's, diff it, it's different. I mean, like Will Clark produced the stats last year of the number of full-time academy staff working in Ireland. You would have been included. Were you, were you doing the job at the time in Galway? Or at Cork, sorry. Yeah. So you would have been included. So it was like six or something, was it? Like full-time academy directors. And then you see the stats in other countries and it's terrifying and there was a, a UEFA benchmarking report released just again two weeks ago which was similar the number of like full-time staff per club is just like we're miles off it um but it's it's interesting then because I don't know who the throat is I mean I'll, I'll ask you Liam I mean how close are we then to developing the potential of what we could do I guess what I'm saying is if we had more full-time qualified coaches do you think there's another 50 percent we can go you know another sort of can we just raise the bar further to where we are at the moment because they're basically underdeveloped potential because of where we are in the world now i think 
we have the qualified coaches. The coaches are there. They, 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 you know, go through the coaches I have with every team. I'm delighted with them. They're really, you know, experienced people who are really good with that specific age group. But they all have they all have another job. So, you know, you're asking a lot for what you're giving. I put it that way. Um, and I'm lucky. And and Shane said the same. We're very lucky with the people that we have that love the game, want to do it anyway. But it's not the point. Mm. The point is, you know. Like you look at Shane talking with the TY courses, like we're we're not in that position yet at Cork to do that. Um, but it's brilliant. I love hearing that. I want to know about how that's happening, how that's you know, the structure of that, how it's funded. Can I get that off the ground? You know, that's what we I think we're lucky, very lucky in the academy structure now with Shane Rovers, we've got Colin Barron at at Shells, you've Joe Bryan at Pats, you know, you've I could go on, there's a list, you know, the very progressive people who want to make things better. Um but at the same time, within clubs, you can do so much. You can fund things yourself. But from the top, and I mean government down to the FEI, it has to be better. Yeah, yeah. What, what about the whole situation then? It's been well documented over the winter. The, 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 the FEI decision around the under-14 mm-hmm. league. We now have this situation where we have the sort of a, an under-14 friendly sort of series, which is starting soon, Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that decision was taken, how it was communicated i'm guessing you were affected I and mean, i know like you would have been affected like every club because you've 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 proceeded you would have had some of the players at the club already of course i suppose but um what did you make of that whole the foray around that look there's been a lot spoke about i think we have kind of moved on let's say in okay. in, in one sense and just gone look that's that was a decision this is where we're going there was lots of frustration at, at that minute in time um but I believe the kids aren't put to the centre when the decisions are being made, which is the problem I would have and go, look, what's best for the, the kids here? What's best for the players? That's what has to be the forefront of a decision. I understand the kind of frustrations because, again, and I listen to all the podcasts that you guys do and other podcasts that are out there, but I would understand the frustration a little bit because we do start at under 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and... So the 14s boys that would have come in at this minute in time, we have we've brought in boys from other clubs like um, the likes of Joey's Belvedere, Cardiff. We have a partnership yeah. with, and um, that works really, really well. But those boys that have come in to, to to our group at that minute in time are unbelievable, like, unbelievable players. Like, and and sometimes that gets missed. Uh, the system is broke, or it's this or that. It's not like at that minute in time. Like, if I could look at the boys that are 2008 and I know that sometimes is hard that they'd be under 14s but the boys that came in two boys came in from St. Joseph's boys brilliant standard brilliant standard of footballer like and and the credit must go to those clubs and to the Belvedere's and to the Cardiff's and when we speak about our system within Ireland like there's a lot that's right there like you know I think we had missed the last bit of it historically like we had never had the National League to take over because Let's be honest, 200 kids went to the UK at 15 yeah. every year. So no one really well, cared. How, how now do we, now we have that bit. Yeah. How do we keep the morale of those clubs up? Though? We know like the, in the schoolboy football world, and I also appreciate there's a big difference between there's administrators of schoolboy football mm. and there's like war going on there in the last, you know, last couple of sort of weeks with resignations. And I appreciate, and I think sometimes the labels can be too general it's yeah. like schoolboy football and I, I just don't but, think, but how do we keep the, those, the morale of those coaches up I, who do I feel I don't think people bring people together to have a, have a discussion at all like you know mm. it's all political it's all point scoring it's all around the board table it's not it's never never has anyone said to me 
can we go in and sit down and talk? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I'd use the Cardiff one as an example. I'll be honest, that boy that was in Benfica came from Cardiff, right? Okay. Unbelievable. Like, they have no facility, no nothing. Like, they, 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 they're underfunded. Council pitches, but they produce players. Like, the mm. players are coming through from a, from that club is unbelievable. Like, go watch them dribble a football. Like, like Gleam's on about the coaches we have. Like, say, they've gone through their FAI licenses and they might be A license, B license. It do, doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. They're not, the ki- they're not the people teaching the kid to dribble a football. Like, and there is no teaching a kid to really dribble a football. The kid is learning to dribble a football playing for your Cardiffs and playing for clubs like this that is just out there going give me the ball I want the ball I'll show you and then like we do come along and we work with these clubs and go look we think we can develop that player from this point to that point and it works like you know like our relationship is really good but nobody is bringing people together to go come on let's let's just fix it we'll we'll, we'll talk about like the games from last week as well at some point but when I was going into Talca Park um, I was just I saw Pat Fenlon and Tony Sheridan just walking into the ground and I had to think back at when I was in college they were the kind of key players there and I lived beside Talca Park when I first year in college but like it's a completely different scene now Talca didn't like League of Ireland clubs didn't have a role in the community they had no underage players they had no women's team they had no this they had no that it's it, it seemed, it's, uh, like as Liam alluded to there this is our time now this could be our time to do something special and the academies someone said to me lately the academy head is the most important person at any club in my view would you agree with that, or is it like is that how important the position is? Look, it depends what way the club is, is is made up. To be honest, you know what I mean. Like we we have a certain group that works together for the the better of the football club and whatever it takes, Johnny. Do you know what mm. I mean? And 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 at the at the the start, let's say a lot of support. We need to get our first team winning. That that you know what I mean. Mm. That that being honest, we needed to start the academy. We needed to grow the academy. Now that there's next steps and it evolves, like every club is different. If you're in the first division, it's, it it is a little bit different. Like you know what I mean. Mm. So, but I think I I really think there's potential in so many areas. You don't have to win the league to be to be a successful football club. I think that's been said. You you might develop young players really really well, like the UCDs. They develop. How many mm. players have they developed? Like you know, you, yeah. that that could be success for a football club. It, it is inside, and it is interesting to say that as well. And I, I did find that when I was looking at it in the under fourteen thing. There's a great kind of camaraderie among opposing clubs when it comes to young players and all of the League of Ireland people I spoke to all the heads of academies I spoke to a lot of them they were all like we really just we want best for the players like it doesn't matter what club is and I thought that was very like kind of uplifting almost yeah look when it came down and there's been a lot of hassle obviously with the under 14 situation but when it was put to me like you know do you leave these players for another six months from my point of view Cork um and played the Kennedy Cup, which was what, what what was proposed, obviously, with the new ruling that came in. Um, and taking off my head of academy or anything like that, for me, having seen how well the Upper 14 League went last year, you know, we all saw the final and gone, whoa, that's brilliant. And then, you know, like, it's, it's a crazy decision to think that that is not the right way to go, you know? Mm. So when it came to the, the, the situation this year, I was like, well, if we're in a position and we're still able to sign these players. It's the right thing to do. You know, is it, you know, it's just the right thing. The players, the best players need to be playing together, training together against the best players in Ireland. Take away any coaching, Shane said earlier, it's true. Any coach, whatever people would think about, whatever staff or coaches we have, that alone, that alone is the best thing because 
that's how they get better mm. and that's how they get challenged at the right level at the right time like how are things on the ground for you and Cork then um, in terms of your relations with the, the various clubs around sort of the, the Cork League and, and, and I suppose you'd be looking maybe outside the region as well but particularly there like for example I was doing something the other day around Cuevin Kelleher it's a big story for Ringmahan Rangers and mm. he sort of went the old school route you know directly from there to, to Liverpool like what's the what's the buy-in what's your relationship like with the clubs there that you're obviously coming to probably take some of their better players but how is, how is the the sort of the diplomatic relations there being, I suppose. I think with the clubs, there's generally been a good um, atmosphere. You know, I think you know it can be difficult. There's you know there's a lot being said about certain clubs where we took maybe three or four players from, and you're taking them halfway through their season. So I get from the club's point of view that can be difficult, and it's not ideal for us. We don't really want to be doing that. Mm-hmm. But when the, the leagues aren't aligned and the leagues aren't finishing at the same time, you know, again it comes back to the, the question I ask myself. Is this the right thing for the player, for him now, to be put into a group which are going to be challenged against the Shamrock Rovers, the St. Pats, the best players in the country, with the best players in Cork? Um, so with the clubs themselves, we've had good relations. And even, you know, there's been good communication. Generally, they wish the boys well and they understand that it's a, a, a step up for them to come in and challenge themselves. Now, again, Shane mentioned it earlier. Look, I want to build relations with the schoolboy league, I want to make things better that way, work together, because there's no point us and them mentality, because we need to build that. Mm. We need to change that. And and I, you know, I'm certainly in the progress of, of, of trying to help that situation going forward. I, I think it's really important. It's an interesting couple of years in terms of perception as well. And I can't believe I'm, I'm raising an Eamon Dunphy piece, right? But like, because Eamon Dunphy, as we saw in the Delaney years, is just like, so out of touch with everything that was really going on in Irish football. But, he also has an audience and I saw in his column recently in the, the Star I think he's, he's just latched on to this general view it's a very broad point it's like I think we've made a mistake handing the responsibility over from the schoolboy clubs to the League of Ireland it's a very general point but I've heard it repeated by other people subsequently people that, that they're sort of like their 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 sort of Twitter size 150 word sort of understanding of what's happened is they've handed the responsibility over and that's a bad thing how do you sort of tackle that perception if someone if someone was to put that to you? They they shouldn't have given the responsibility to the League of Ireland. Studs and two foot. <laughs> no, no, well, that, but that but that, that does exist, John. There's no point denying yeah, it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. been said. Well, it's a different world now. No disrespect, yeah. don't feel, but it's totally different. Like you know what I mean? The kids are no longer going on the boat to, to England. That 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 is the crux of it. Is that we have to take care of our our own country, not worry about anyone else, to drive our own country on to ultimately qualify for World Cups and European Championships the only way to do it is looking after the boys that are in this country like you know and, and yeah I look that's a, a totally different world right now like you know what I mean mm. I think he's so, so far out of touch and a lot of people are that come out with comments they, they, they don't see it like you know they're not they're not on the ground like like we, we would have an under 8 9s 10s 11s was all the way like but we've only got 15, 16 kids in each age group. What about the other thousands of kids that are that are out there? You know what I mean? It's not handing responsibility over. When I speak about Cardiff and the Lucans, Temple O's, Kevin's, Joe's, they all have 15, 16, 17. What, can't we all do it a little bit better? Like, you know what I mean? Johnny McDonald kind of alluded to that last week. Those players that kind of, they go up and then they kind of come back and might go back to their old clubs or whatever. How do, how do you, because players will develop late as well. Yeah, 100%. And, and you try guide them along the, the path as much as you can, Johnny. Do you know what I mean? Like, like so that even the jump from 
15 to 17 is difficult like mm. you know what i mean so you're trying to look out for the boys mm. that you've invested in because that make no bones about it it is an investment like you know what i mean it's it that that's what it is so you've got to keep going with it and the path is not perfect like you're on about the the, the, the handing over to the, to the national league clubs or the league of ireland clubs there was nothing in place. Now there's something really good in place. Like we said with Cork, when when they went through the bad times, there was something there. Like there is a glimmer of light where there's young players. You go, they're gonna get an opportunity now, and they could end up being an unbelievable group of players. Like you know that that's the reality. And then can they add one, two more from the underage setup over the next three years? You only need eleven good players on the pitch to have a good team. You know what I mean? Mm. So it is going to just be a couple of players breaking through but I just feel we don't invest enough in the player like like not just football like education and everything that goes with it like give give the the, the child the best chance in in both worlds basically like you know what I mean and, and football and education here is not lined up like we have a, a 19s league uh, at the moment which is let's say the closest to our first team and and uh <laughs> The kids have already left schools, for example. Like they, they might have a job, or they might be in college, or they, or they might not have a job. They might just be at home hoping to be a footballer. Mm. Is what I see, and and it's it, it's mad. Like that's what not do you do right. there? You line it up, simple. You line it up with school. Like you has mm. to be lined up. There's no other way. Transition year, fifth year, sixth year, has to be lined up. If you're in sixth year, you're playing this. If you're in fifth year, you're playing this. If you're in TY, you're playing this. When you leave school, the decision is, is a League of Ireland club going to make him a proper professional or not? Like, But he has the best of both. He can go and do his college. He's educated. I just don't think the conversations have been had. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of <laughs> what's been said and leans on about funding for what. And I don't think the, I think the FBI are devoid of any ideas. They have a, a strategic plan. But I was going to raise a strategic actually, plan. I was going to raise and ask your opinion. It's just that. words like, you know, I've read through. I just go, come on, lads. Like, you know, align the seasons. First thing you do, boom, align the seasons. If you're a CEO or you're whatever role you have, align the seasons. Right, what next? Boom, boom, boom. I think it can be done. I don't think it, I don't think this is rocket science at all. Like our country different to any other country, but we just look after our own. And in, that's my view. And other people might go, no, nah, that, that's wrong. Like, you know, but I think if a child is educated the best possible way academically in football that that is that is the way that child has a really good chance but when we're on about funding and everything i believe the kids should get the funding not 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 the clubs put put the money towards the kids the players boys and girls and go there you go but we're too busy paying high performance coaches x salary having etp centers x salary Paying, paying people to do jobs, but not actually investing in the child. That, that's the problem for me. Like we, mm. uh, my club at Shamrock Rovers, hand on heart, we go, we're going to invest in the child. And yeah, we do see a return for that. Like, you know what I mean? At different points. You have to make it go, a business too. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's not. 100%. You know, you know that's 100%, not that, but, yeah. but Does that I, I, I believe we don't do, we're not doing enough. Like I'm going, come on, we can, we can do more within our club. We can, we can, we can, because we had a boy got 580 points in his leaving cert um, 12 months ago. Isn't playing for our first team. Isn't at the club anymore, but I think, well done. 
brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm certainly I'm looking I'm looking forward to Johnny raising some of these points when he's the host at the FAI's host at the underage league launch this coming is, in Ohio. Yeah, Will it's, gonna, it's gonna be a very different tone to some of Johnny's uh, comments no, listen, there. Like, like just on that one, <laughs> I've told Will like I've we've had similar. Well, well I think Will seems to be quite Will, 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 is, no, yes, Will is coming from I think Will seems to be and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think he seems to be reasonably well received because he's he's sort of he's walked both paths if you know what I mean he's come from the, yeah. the school boy nursery 100%. but he has and the League of Ireland that's where so like knowledge. these co- the conversations I don't normally do any of this by the way yeah. I don't like pod- going on podcasts and just, just listening to them yeah. yeah I listen all the time but like <laughs> Took you a bit I, 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 I'm out in Joey's and Kevin's and Cherry Orchard if I walk in with me head high I know the work these people do like you know what I mean like and it's the same people over and over again within Dublin that I see out watching matches that love football that just want kids to do well you know what I mean and and it's, it's not a not a huge amount of people I could probably go through two hands probably and go get them in a room and try solve this because it's solvable like you know mm. just just can I just, yeah, come to Liam, just come to Liam on that because I mean what was your take in the sort of the strategic plan or some of the discussions around that you've mentioned government once or twice and I think there's a view there that we need to there needs to be a, a something presented to them are, are you seeing enough to convince you that 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 plan has been formed I suppose a lot of that stuff isn't known until it's known. I suppose just the other side of it, I don't know exactly what's been discussed at that level, um, but I can see what's implemented so far, which is nothing. Um, so the, the strategic plan looks great, and there's a lot of nice buzzwords in the middle of it. Um, and look, it's important you have some sort of, of strategy, but I suppose, I don't know, we're in the game a long time as well, and we're in this country a long time to kind of know right you know, there was a lot of things mentioned in the past that were going to happen in Cork even, you know, where we were going to have a brand new facility. That, Glanmire. You know, yeah. so I, I'm very sceptical about a lot of things, probably because of what I've seen in the past, but very open to changes and progression and advancement in what's going to change going forward. Mm. But the, the, in fairness now, if you if you look at the funding of horse racing going back to years, like horse racing, bookmakers, you went into a bookmaker to have a bet in a horse race, right? That is just not the case now. Horse racing is a is shrinking part of the gambling pie, whether you like it or not, and there's massive, massive money going to the government. Um, and I do think that the government is conscious now, and Niall Quinn brought this up, that, yeah, there should be money coming through from a bet on football that goes back to football. And, you know, racing gets massive, obviously, funding every year, which I think is justified. But, you know, you listen to Hall Martin, I think some people now in government are saying, well, actually... We've kind of betrayed our kids here for years and we might have a chance here with Brexit to do something and maybe invest in academies. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. Like, uh, it's been known now for a while. We have these players which we might not have had for this length of time. We have to get it right now. I mean, it might sound brash, whatever, but it has to. I mean, when we're on the cold face, Shane, like, I mean, our jobs are important in terms of getting it right within our own clubs. And yeah, look, and I remember talking to Shane, I've, I've had lots of chats about when he first came into the role and, and people might look at where Rovers are now going and that, that just happened because they have money. And I know it didn't. And Shane, you know, gave me great detail about he, how it started and where it's got to now. So, I mean, you have to listen. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're in a very strong position that has been built over time. Um, but as a nas- at a national level, for every club to try and get to, to the next level really of, of where we want to be with academies we do need to see financial backing just one thing about the yeah. next step I think we need to move this debate on um, I think there's a because I think there's a, a lot of discussion around this 
And one of the big talking points in the last while has been the issue of compensation. And um, there's now an acknowledgement, I think, or a broader acknowledgement that, that we are producing good players. We can see that with the you know, the, the exodus at various ages over the winter between like, you know, sort of the couple of the guys going to Europe and then, you know, Johnny Kenny and a couple of those other ones in the League of Ireland level. Um, but we still have this broader issue of how do overseas clubs value our players? We have this issue where you have compensation entitlements that are due, but clearly you will have agents going around looking to insert clauses that effectively, you know, cur- you know curtail what, what the income level may be. How big a concern is that for you, Liam? Or I maybe talked about you on this, but because you are trying to produce really high caliber players now, but there's still a danger that some of them might end up going for such a small amount that it that doesn't help the business model. I suppose from from our point of view, I think every club is probably different in in terms of this because um, we might be in a different financial position as a club, and then and when it comes to it, mm. I, you have a board and you have whatever else that might have, you know. Uh, different requirements of what what we need to do to sustain ourselves as well. So, yeah, it is difficult. I mean, obviously, um, there's players lately that have gone and, and moved, um, and it is it is it is a, t- a tough one to kind of get right because you're 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 always balancing right. Well, if a player doesn't sign a contract and he goes, then this is X amount is what the club is going to get. If he does sign it. And this clause or whatever is in it, yeah. okay, it's more than what you probably would have got, but it's not what you really should be getting. So I think clubs have to be, and probably we as a club, probably myself looking at it, need to be stronger um, and say, look, we know the value that we have on players. And if this isn't met, then the player isn't going. But then it's a difficult one. I've been in this position myself as a player, and when opportunities come knocking, like the last thing you want to be doing is standing in the way of a player if it's, in a, if it's the genuine opportunity um to prevent the move to a, to a big club or whatever it is agents good or bad yeah you come across all different types and i suppose i'm new to the job and, and shane might be more experienced and and you know you're, you're certainly figuring people out and and finding out which ones are legitimately looking after the player's best interest at times and understanding the game as well of where he's at and is that actually going to be something that he can deal with you know when we're talking about players at the moment going to europe now England probably was the club, the place to go before. Where same same language, not too far from home. Now we're talking about countries which is a different language. Yeah, is a kid even ready mentally? You see, what like you know, there's so yeah. many aspects to it. Yeah, it's, the Carl Heffernan one is a high profile one now, where like you do have a case where someone like Gavin Bazina does something and it puts spotlight on the club. And Carl Heffernan, I know it's an initial loan, but is there also good publicity from that from your academy that people sort of they associate they hear they hear Cork City, AC Milan. It's probably not a bad thing in some ways too. No, there's the positive side of it, definitely. That you know, clubs like AC Milan are looking at their players. But and Shane will tell you, we we know we've got good players, you know. And and maybe that, all of a sudden people go, oh, geez, there is an academy league in in, in Ireland. No, there's, there's a really good one here, and it's no surprise you've got players from Rovers going to into Milan. We've got you know St Pat's players going to. Uh, Italian clubs as well so it's 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 happening now because of the fact Brexit's come in and it's become more of an open market but um look it's 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 not easy and there's not a, a clear sign can yeah. I come to Shane yeah, about yeah. that as well though Shane like I mean in fairness Rovers I think have done better than most in terms of you know getting um money for players that have gone but it's still probably there's still a challenge here I mean you're still probably going to be pressure now if more European clubs 
start coming in for players at 16 there'll be people saying maybe don't sign that professional deal you know don't and I know that then the debate is well the club have to you know take a chance on our young players and give them contracts which the League of Ireland clubs don't always do either so I appreciate there's different circles to this debate but what's your take on that sort of broader issue of getting what a player is you know getting some value if the players do go which invariably you know some will, will always go yeah it's difficult like um, because you'll have normally three parties or three stakeholders or even more uh, involved where you have the agent you'll have the player you'll have the club you'll have the club he's going to and all, everyone's kind of pushing a different way right from the start so when you get involved in something you go look we've we've put a lot of work in and previous school by clubs have put a lot of work in and you want to see value for it but stripping it back like to try to take it further and go well, what's the solution to that like he's probably investing at a young age in, in, in those players like you know and, and that's not handing children money or anything like that That that's investing like that in their education and how they get to train and their training gear, their boots, it's, it's it's not paying them, like, you know, but finding mm. a way of, of doing this on, on a broader scale because we all have the same problem, like, you know, like we've, we've a boy in Hamburg at the moment, 17 years of age. Justin, I assume, is the... Yeah, yeah well, that yeah. one's there and yeah. um, he's doing, he's leaving Sir through Ashfield College in a really good place, trains with our first team um, regularly, goes to school privately, full-time footballer training with really really high caliber players in my opinion like you know what I mean I don't think he's going to get to train with much better players than that um he's in Hamburg whether they want him or not but you know that 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 comes down to how much they value him as well then like you know and Mm. that and that's that's the reality of it but we're trying to put things in place that 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 protect us and the player to be honest you know what I mean because Mm. um like Liam said not every player's ready to move either like you know and look Justin could or, or might move there or might not move there but you, you, you'll you have everyone kind of pushing for what they think is right but but clubs do need to be protected like you know you do, you do mention him I remember the 17th playing Turner's Cross last year and there were three sons of Albanians like Albania a tiny country playing for Ireland <coughs> at 17 level and the landscape change has just been unbelievable in this country and I think it's it's brought us on so much like you see different technical qualities different kind of athletic qualities to I guess the quintessential Irish kid that we knew years ago yeah and then that comes down to the environment that they went into at a young age, Johnny, like, you know, mm. like, like, like the, the, you mentioned Justin and Kevin and Albanian, they came, they came from Albania, obviously they're Irish, they grew up here, but mm. they played football in Blanchestown on an Astro in Mulhuddard mm. and kicked the ball around and, 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 and that, that, that's the environment, do you know what I mean? Like their school by clubs are part of that environment that has built that type of player, like, you know what I mean? And, and, and we have something really good when you drill down and go well because we have these conversations why why does Kevin dribble a ball like that like what shaped him like why does Justin do this why does another kid do this there's there, it's not by look like you know what I mean it's it's actually we, we have something really good when you're on about um, some of the, the the boys that are in the country and the ethnicity and the backgrounds and the family background and all this plays a, a part in shape and mm. the way the player plays like you said athletically like the genes that he has how quick he can move and, and you see it you see it with Adam Oid and Gavin Bazuna and Andrew and people like this that have come through and how many more are, are actually there under the surface and that's where where, where mm. Dan's touching on the compensation is 
European clubs are now looking going the top 10 players in Ireland they're going to be good because mm. they would have been the players that went to Arsenal Man City Liverpool mm. in the past and we know we've had Robbie Keynes and Steve McPhail's and not, so that's not that's actually going to improve but the players are going to play in the 14s final or the 15s final or maybe not because they're playing they're playing the club that didn't reach the final but they're definitely going to be there. And just, I have one last question for you, um, and it's just about coaches in this country because you were you work with Damien Duff at Shamrock Rovers, and uh, when you think about it, right, Damien Duff and Colin Healy are two of the essentially unproven League of Ireland managers. They and they are now going into so Damien Duff went into last Friday night taking on Tim Clancy, who's a good reputation. Lost the game three 0 Young manager uh, alert here. For no, but I, I just. I just think when you have all the academy heads and all the underage coaches, there are an awful lot of football heads in coaching in this country now, in this country, not in England, in this country, which I don't know we appreciate and where this could go. Like, Because I think these are all football fanatics who really study the game. A lot of played at a very high level like Duffer. Mm. You know, we have a good calibre now at the moment, like like, like myself and Liam. We, we, we have chats in the background about the way we were brought up as footballers and what happened to us and how it can help them and, and you're trying to piece it all together but like we've got you've got unbelievable people working within the game now in this country like you know that won't get opportunities elsewhere either so it's here like you know and it's 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 it, 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 it's growing everywhere you see attendances up I think the playing surfaces are getting better hopefully the stadiums can get better and we can keep the momentum going because we are on the cusp of something, I do believe. Who goes better, longer in the game, healers or duff? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no words to say. <laughs> I tell you what, he definitely wouldn't ask that in Abbottstown later. Not a chance no. he'd ask that in Abbottstown. Yeah. I, I, I'm more of an observation rather than a question. I think it's interesting that you two lads, you were probably in the generation of like the first League of Ireland full-time players for most of your career, right? You, we, I know you were away, Liam, but... You know, and Shane, sort of similar enough sort of experience here that you were full-time most of your career and then you had the crash, which probably happened during, I know you were in Finland then subsequently, yeah. but you had the crash that happened. Like, does living through some of that bust that we had make you more passionate about getting things right in the future? Because we saw how in that you had a good league in the mid-2000s and then just the arse fell out of things, you know, mm. and, and the lack of academy, you mentioned earlier with Drada, like the lack of a structure at clubs just meant the they fell, they sunk. Like, does that make you more passionate about getting things right that it doesn't happen, that something like that doesn't happen again? 100%, 100%. I think even, like, you look at your, and Shane had a great career, you look at your career and you go through, I was in England, got released, lived in England, got was homesick, came home, um, first went to Bohemians, Stephen Kenny was the man who says, look, you're, you're not ready to play for us, but they were very strong at the time. Went down to Cork, last ebbs, Pat Dolan said, I'll give you a chance. Um, but I know he went to Bowes first, was the first thing he said. <laughs> so you, like, I've gone through the roller coaster. I've been a footballer. I've been in the league where things have been brilliant. Um, I've been lucky that most of my time I was full-time within the league um, in my career. Um, but yeah, definitely you can look back at all those things, especially in the role of academy because you're dealing with young players and I've experienced so much ups and downs, getting injured, dealing with injuries, no one around you, having that isolation. So I, I can I can feel when players are going through all those things, I've experienced it and I'm conscious of it. Like Shane would be, you, you see all these things from just experience. I guess in many respects, you're still a player yourself and when you wake up in the morning in some respects, like it's probably hard to believe that we're as old as we are. Like Yeah, it goes very quick to be fair, but I suppose you do have to separate yourself and I have learned to do that from like when I was a player. Now I'm in my role mm. now. And it, when you first come out of playing, it, it can be difficult to 
disassociate yourself from mm. playing and even how you talk to the kids and you know that's that's something I've learned to, to, to be improve upon over the years of just that transition yeah. um, but what, what your question was definitely I think from our experience of everything being full time and probably punching above our weight in terms of keeping budgets going I think we, we've learned a lot from that it, mm. it is the beauty you were talking about Tim Clancy against Damien Duff let's say and they, they all had they, they had a different path like like me and Liam had a different path I watched Rovers play down in Waterford being a Waterford man at 17 years of age and actually got a bit of a bug gone <laughs> love the crowd like I want I actually reached out and tried to play for Rovers because I saw it and I went boom 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 and you're on about Tim playing against Damien and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your path, your path's totally different. The reputation counts for nothing on the sideline. But Tim's way of going through life and Damien's way, it shapes who they are. You know what I mean? Which is why we, that's why we love football. Like we were talking about kids playing. Like everybody is, every, everybody's path is totally different, but everybody loves it. Everybody's like that's why you're doing the podcast. You you love the game, you know what I mean? And, and we're that, in it strictly for the money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's what a kid Especially wants to do. And that's why I'd be passionate about it. Going, I know the amount of kids at home telling their moms that oh, I want to be a footballer. Mm. I want to be a footballer. That's the way I was growing up. The way Liam was growing up, and and the lads that you mentioned was the same. And you just want to give them the best chance. Yeah, no, it, does, it, does, yeah. it does feel good at the moment. But like you're always like experience makes you cautious of getting too carried away but there is just a little there's a little vibe that i think is a we, positive we probably one should right ask now. about duff like what do you think it'll how do you think it'll work out for him because you know him very well obviously yeah like it's it's, it's difficult like you said like on the sideline it's it's there's, there's no hiding place then like you know damien came in rovers doing the 15s and i think like that helped him shake get a bug for it and enjoyed it and then wants to go and do more obviously done brilliantly at Celtic and now he's come back to Shells and, and look at it, it is difficult like you know he's got a good person alongside him and Joey like mm. who was who was brilliant to be fair at Rovers and the conversations we would have had with, with somebody like Joey about football the same as we're trying to have here I used to love it we used to come in for a cup of tea after he's training and we talk and brilliant like you know what I mean so he's got good people around him um, and, and they're at the start of something different like we spoke right at the start of this podcast about there's, there's many clubs that have uh, opportunities right in front of them like you know what I mean and, and and there's competition Rovers are ahead of it at the moment but <laughs> League of Ireland shows you it changes quite quickly like and that's where we have to keep pushing our direction and and and, and that's and that's the way it's gone like you know Mm. thanks a million to the lads for yeah no, it's great to have you in lads I mean I don't know is, is it fair to ask are Cork going to get promoted and are Rovers going to win the league this year I mean you are sort of Liam what, like, I mean, it's extremely hard to get out of the first division it is I mean but I mean 6-0 must give everyone a little bit of a spring on the step when they're around the club on the sort of Monday Tuesday this week that's an, it's a nice start to be fair yeah look I think you know it's important to get a good start I think the way we finished last year we finished very strong really positive um, there's a real good feel around the place you know, um, coming into this season. Um, and it was important, obviously, to get a win for confidence. And, and obviously, we've got a huge game coming up this week with, with Galway. So, look, things are good. I know myself from football, it was still three points. So, the old cliche is true. You know, we still have to push on this week. Against Bray were shite as well. <laughs> yeah, so look, they had a difficult <laughs> night of it. But, um, 
yeah, look, again, just keep going, keep it going. That's the main thing. You definitely wouldn't say that in Abbottstown. You'll not be saying that in Abbottstown. I'll see you in Abbottstown. If you can say brave or shite to Liam in any question in Abbottstown, go on. I'll buy a lunch. I'll buy a lunch. Hardly, like, barely yeah. getting breakfast off yeah. <laughs> I actually bought your breakfast yesterday, so what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a, rare, it's wonderful. It's a cross on to think, man. Yeah, thanks very much to Shane Robinson and Liam Carney. Um, doesn't seem that long ago that we were watching them um, basically lock horns on the pitch, but uh, life does move on. Um, did they play with uh, this character? Um, this was a tough one last week, Dan. This but is the mystery voice. This is the mystery you, voice. You, I mean, we know that it's your mystery voice competition, and I've, I've warmed to the idea. I just feel that maybe... We need to make it a bit easier. We need it less to be less of a mystery, you know? Less of a mystery. Did you not notice? Did you not see those these competitions they do on RT? Now, this is different, but with the RT ones where it's like... Um, you know, you enter, like you enter. So there's obviously, a, like there's a, anyone who rings in, there's a few quid. So the question is like, you know, you know, you know what is the name of the Argentine footballer? And it's like, you know, Lionel Messi or Lionel Richie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what about and, Lionel Richie? And, and people, and people yeah. go for Messi and then they get loads of entries and like loads of money. It's a different thing, but I think we need a mystery voice. A little bit easier. That people can sort of, and it's no, no offense to the candidate, a well-known player. I mean, I think people could have, Known better, but maybe they never heard him do a Spice Girl lyric before. Let's just hear what last week's mystery voice was. Just in case you missed last week and you can think, oh, I know who that is. Here's last week's one. Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. That was Stephen Beatty. Stephen Beatty. And um, the winner of the prize, which is not a bad prize at all, thanks to Porterhouse, four brews that will be sent straight to uh, your, I guess straight to your door, really. Uh, Well, wherever you want to get sent to. The winner (laughs) That's a good point, yeah. You not want to um, drink, yeah, drink responsibly. The, the, the winner was Robbie O'Sullivan. And, uh, We've had a draw here. I think Robbie, Robbie, Robbie might have been one of the first to get it right as well, but like we did so many wrong answers. We mentioned earlier we were going to do the balls and the drum. It's quite complicated, but there was only uh, mm. a small number of... of this one's entries. a bit easier this week. Okay, this is this week's mystery voice. Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. And all you need to do is essentially respond on Twitter uh, or Instagram uh, and just say who that is. I think, I think, I'm guessing at least 20 people get that right. And a lot of people entered last week, so a lot of people do want a lot of entries. People do want to just, they want voices they know. Yeah. So we we will, next week we'll have a different voice and we'll also have a different (laughs) different lyric as well, to be clear. But like you got to say, and I think the two, uh, you know, mystery voices, they really, they took it on board. They couldn't have done it in a more deadpan way. Yo, I'll tell you what, like it's really, really, it's, there's no enthusiasm at all. Well, that's because they were asked, maybe, you know, maybe this week's, maybe he wanted a different lyric. Maybe we'll let them do their own lyric in future. Possibly singing. Well, they could sing if they wanted, but mm. that would defeat the purpose. Because like, is your your singing voice is probably different to your spoken voice. Well, I think that's so. Anyway, like works. some people like they have they, they, it's the way they speak, and then they sing and they go into like the fans who sing in a big British accent, an English accent when they sing or whatever, or like you go into a sort of an over the top sort of Shan No style <laughs> when you start singing, <laughs> but then in real life, like you're just sort of like your man and father Ted presenting the Eurovision. He's just like totally changed once he was on Henry the Sellers. Henry, Henry, yeah. Sellers. <laughs> Henry Sellers, definitely. No, not Henry Sellers. Your man from Cork, um, like he came on and he went on, like completely different. Yeah, I sort of um, feel like yeah, he's the type of fellow who could have 
run a couple of League of Ireland clubs in his time. <laughs> Possibly did. Um, okay, so we'll just like recap on um, last week. We're both in Tolka. Great start to the season. Two games called off. Um, so we've lost a lot of teams, as you mentioned, Dan, that haven't actually played yet. Five, if I remember rightly. Galway United didn't play and two games called off in the Premier Division. So the actual start of the campaign is for five teams. It's on a staggered start. Mm. And, and for the Premier Division clubs, we have a double round of fixtures this week as well. So um, there's there's... A lot to look forward to this week, I have to say. A um, couple of brief points on last week. Oh. We do a, a kind of a... Do you have brief points? What Johnny says or whatever. Um, okay, are these your hot takes on last week? Hot, hot takes. I on feel like we've heard them in a lot of the other mediums that you're on. <laughs> Probably I think have. I know your... Can I guess your hot takes? Um, We've had James Abank was the next Paul McGrath. We've heard that one. Um, didn't quite say that, but... You uh, did? He could I said be. there were shades of a young Paul McGrath. You I said, didn't even see young Paul you, McGrath. You, you but said, he was playing for pass. You said like. that in several mediums. Um, Dara Burns is touch for the goal. Yeah, we've um, had that one, I think, elsewhere. Yeah. I think... Uh, Anthony Fresh for us. Anthony Fresh. Jamie McGonagall. Oh. I don't think I've appreciated how good new, he could it's be. It's a new hot take. How? Like, the two goals, uh, you have to say, first of all, he's paced the first goal. Andy Boyle... I'm kind of looking at him going, like, would a centre-back claim for a foul like that unless he was actually fouled and I have to think he probably might have been fouled in Boyle's any event it wasn't given Boyle had a very interrupted pre-season I mm. think like you know I think he played through a lot of injuries last year you know or played he was the one defender who didn't get injured there last year but it might just get him a while to get into so, speed this so year so McGonagall then the, the second goal Akintunde's pace McGonagall's movement is actually like it's amazing to watch his movement very very quickly in the box and then he's just he smacked the bar twice should have scored at least one of them um, somebody said to me from the Derry camp he was the best player in the pitch potentially uh, serious performance and then this brings on Shamrock Rovers next week, live on TV. This is going to be some game. Now, I don't want to talk it up, but it, like Rovers, the last time... It could time be went, the best game in the history of humanity. The last time they went to Brandywell, I think they hit them for six in that mad game where they thought they'd be playing the 19s for a while and so on and so forth. I think was that was the last was time. Was it 4-2? Was it 4-2? Whatever. They, they, there were six goals. The anyway, six goals. They were 2-0 two nil, two nil down. And, yeah, sorry. And Graham Burke was brilliant that night. But uh, Rovers defensively, the last couple of weeks, have not looked good at all. And I'm not going to highlight the UCD game. UCD opened them up a bit. This is a, it's all set for a cracker Friday. Yeah, I think that'd be a good game on Friday. I said, Derry though, I mean, Duffy and Matty Smith didn't play. I'm not sure. McElhenney didn't start. This week, McElhenney off the bench. So I, I get the sense that maybe um, they've had to face one or two little issues there. So Going back to um, Shell's game, right? Are Pats title contenders? Oh, there we go. There's a question. Um, Asked a Pats fan who said to me, what happens if our midfielders get injured? Yeah, like, as I said, the first week can be so deceiving sometimes for like making big judgments. But you would say that, that in both of the previous, like the President's Cup game and last week, you could see, yeah, this is a team who have an idea already about what they are. Like, you know, with the sort of, um, you know, Burns on one side and um, Mark Doyle on the other. And they have the ability to sort of soak up a small bit and then like break really clinically or they can mix things up in terms of how they play and you Billy know? King in a different role they as can well. capitalise on mistakes um, so are they t- like, there's a real danger Rovers just blow every- blow everyone away here like that is a factor but there is a danger but I think there's no doubt that I can understand the optimism that exists around Pats but I think just sort of reserve judgement on that for a while and I think they probably will be too they, they need to see a bit more 
Um, I mean, they play Saga Rovers on shall Friday. We, shall we give the fixtures? Yeah, so we got some, some past Saga Rovers. Very interesting game on Friday. I have to stop using the word interesting all the time. Yeah, sometimes intriguing. You, sometimes captivating, listen, sometimes alluring. Sometimes listen back. Just really listen back to yourself yeah, compelling. sometimes. The word interesting. Like everything mm. is interesting. I mean, not anything can be as interesting. Like, yeah. You know, it's sort of an overused word. Don't tell me it's interesting. I have to I'll stop saying you. it. It's that my interesting as you're a young manager. Draw the shell's an interesting game, actually. In, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in, in fairness, though, I, I find that really, really uh, alluring and compelling. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. We need, we need a thesaurus. We need a thesaurus for words just, other than interest. Just in, if they were to lose that game, it, it like and again, like I, I'm not. I'm. It's it's just it's it's good TV. It's, it's, it's ca- good drama. It's a captivating it's good, like, game. It is, and like uh, I, I, I think it'd be interesting to see where Drogheda hours. I actually, I didn't even mean that. <laughs> How are Drogheda? I thought shells were quite good on Friday, despite their defensive uh, mistakes. And uh, Darius Shamrock Rovers buzzed on Dock, sold out. Obviously. Uh, I just reading it. I mean, we had the fixtures did a bit more of a structure. Like I thought, we did some of those games. It was both both UCD Finn Harps, UCD Finn Harps, and Simpsons probably Sligo. probably unlikely to sell out. But I think all the other games will will be very well. Attended well, actually, sorry, I meant to bring I meant to bring uh, that kind of team in the first division fixtures this week. I think. Cork City Goal United, I'm predicting four to five thousand yeah. in that game. Four, just, just to be clear, people, he said four to five thousand, not forty five. Forty five thousand, which would be good attendance. Would you get that in Parky Cueve? Well, if Ed Sheeran were there, he probably would. Yeah, yeah. not if Cork footballers were there. That's not the point because no. there. I probably mean, be a few they're, they're being moved. The Cork so. Shell, the Cork Galway game was um, there. Rory Gaffney's our probably most famous ginger. He plays for Shamrock Rovers. Um, yeah. I don't know if we have any ginger players actually. Maybe at the game. Yeah. How many? Four to five gingers. Ryan Connolly, he's not five. there either. Yeah, yeah, he's at Harps. Um, he's in fairness, he's not from Galway. I think Treaty at Lone will be a big crowd. Oh, Treaty yeah. will, because they obviously had a completely mad uh, win in Wexford. Um, with a lot of, the suggestion seems to be Wexford actually were... They, they could have scored a lot of goals. Yeah. Very open. Um, what for Bray Wanderers? Again, I think there'll there be a bumper a crowd there. Bray were a disgrace on Friday. So like, they said, were like yeah. a team that had never played together before, which is kind of what they are. Well, they had for Cavan team. For Cavan <laughs> <laughs> in some cases and there was talk of like some I mean there's a lot of talk about British crowd trouble at the moment there was crowd trouble at Belinda Carlisle grounds as well yeah did you hear about that yeah we got a couple of messages about that actually it seemed to be some issue around the flag or something I'm not entirely sure I mean and I, I think to be fair I saw some serious comments from people who brought their kids to the game and you don't you don't want to see it you know so mm. uh, I, I'm not sure I, I, I'm not sure about the complete origin of it but I mean it did hold up to start the second game so in a way second like, half yeah you know we complain about um, say unnatural over the top focus on the the Bowes Pats uh, issue before the final but this one probably you know it's, it's convenient it's the first division one it sort of slipped under the radar a bit you know mm. but there obviously was an issue with that game Cove and Wexford as well Cove starting off um their campaign against Wexford. There were seven um, teams didn't play at the weekend, Johnny. Longford so, and Cove. So Longford Cove was called off. So sorry, Longford have actually Longford are absent this week. So Longford are two weeks out of the game. That's an annoying one for them. It is, and and um, I, I I do think the clubs that have had a game have a slight advantage. So Wexford can look back and say, God, we've so much to work on. That racing parlance though, they need the run. You know, they bring the command from the Definitely, run. Definitely, yeah. Whereas the odds could be really fresh. Uh, you know? and they go to Cove. I've been to see what the crowd is interested to see what the crowd is at, <laughs> at St. Coleman's Park. Captivating to see um, what the crowd is. So talking to Darren Murphy at the LOI launch and he was saying, I haven't been I said like I haven't been at Cove in years. I, I mean I I do remember they had a lovely wee bar there and he said, Oh it's way better now. You should come down and and blah 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 blah. So Cove 
they're another team that like could surprise a few yeah. this season. So Derry Rovers on the box at least. I mean, are you going to the Brandywell? Um, I possibly. I'm not entirely sure of my movements on Friday yet, but um, it's, it's it'll be rocking. I think it will be. Yeah, that'll definitely. Um, that'll Our definitely, Derry title contenders. Definitely set out. Well, this is the thing. This will like, tell us a lot. It's already doors, but I think it's a big game for them. All right, in terms of the statement, they have the double header because we should mention the games on Monday that they have. So they they have a double header where they're at home to Sligo Rovers mm. on Monday. UCD similarly. It's, it's actually not everyone has a double header at home games, but UCD do. So they play shells on Monday. Uh, we have Bows against Pats on Monday. So Bows long break and then sort of they're into to you know a big double header. Um, should mention Keith Long's mum passed away and yeah, condolences um, on, on that. Condolences. Uh, the dog Finn Harps then on Monday. Um, and Shamrock Rovers and Drada on Monday too. So we'd have a lot of stuff um, to go through next week. A lot of stuff yeah, to sort of... Yeah, I presume uh, UCD are upon. trying to get a few of their students to go along and see Damien Duff and Shells v UCD Well, they are Monday. at least in term at the moment. Mm. So um, there should be a, a, a chance to, to attract a couple of them along. But um, yeah, is there anything else we need to discuss here? I think that's actually it. Um, keep, your, keep your comments coming. Definitely going to add... Mm. Um, particularly um, we should leave it till after Monday get your thoughts on the two rounds of fixtures because sometimes though you have these games on Friday and they're almost forgotten about by the time the next week when you have those Monday fixtures you know mm. so um, just keep sending us your thoughts and we'll try and incorporate them whether it your be thoughts, on yeah you know just thoughts and life Russia or, or yeah. League of Ireland or yeah I bungled the old better words than thing. better words than, than interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, thanks very much um, and thanks for our sponsors obviously Future Ticketing and um, we will give away the, uh, the beers as well get your vote in this week was a little bit easier than last week thanks very much to the two Academy Heads for coming in and we shall talk to you next week bye